Hey, good morning. Uh, hope you're doing well on this uh, 21st of January. Already moving through January. First month is almost three quarters of the way gone. Uh, I hope things are going well for you and uh, your family as well and your uh, football team doing good. And hopefully we'll do even better today. Um, several things going on. We are loving our city. That's what we're doing here at Burlington. I hope you are wherever it is you live and uh, spreading the name of Jesus in any way possible. Get out there, show the love, share the love, and point people to our Savior. Uh, we are offering free pancakes. This is one of, one of the things we're doing to try to love our neighbors. We uh, offer free pancakes fourth Saturday of the month. Come on over to Burlington and uh, free pancakes and sausage. We'd love for you to come. We are excited. Uh, we are tearing up the mortgage uh, from our new building that uh, nine years ago uh, was built and uh, been in it ever since. It's our new auditorium area and this area that I'm in right now, this whole new wing. And we have paid it off in less than 10 years. And so praise God for that. We are giving him all the glory and looking forward to what he wants to do next. Um, because that was a big project for this group and uh it's been amazing so we're doing that we are uh going to the super bowl well uh scarlet hope is going to the super bowl but not for football purposes for outreach ministry and so uh i just want to ask you to pray pray for scarlet hope at the super bowl while you're watching your team keep in mind there's 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 women throughout the 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 events of the Super Bowl that are being trafficked, prostituted, and are enslaved. And so Scarlet Hope is going to try to reach these girls and give them a way out. They're going to rescue these women. So please pray for that. And we are reaching for more in 2024. I hope that you are as well. Faith, your faith has saved you. This is uh, this is where we're at today. This is what we've been talking about this year. And I uh, wanted to just start this year off with this, this faith topic because it's such a cool topic uh, to dig into. And uh, it's, it's one of those monster uh, issues when it comes to God and people and Christianity and our faith is, is huge. Everything... Is kind of tied to faith because faith connects the spiritual God of the universe with human beings who are made in his image. And the way that we connect with God is faith. It's faith. And I love uh, when someone connects their life to Jesus, like incredible things begin to happen in their life, like unimaginable things. Impossible things become possible when somebody grabs on to Jesus and holds on to Christ and begins walking as a follower of his, the vault of God's miraculous power begins to go to work in that person's life and they are no longer the same. Their life is changed. It is different. Unexplained events begin to happen because God is, is at work. He is welcomed. He has been invited to come in and go to work. And uh, 
I hope, I hope and pray that you have experienced what I'm talking about. I hope you've experienced this kind of uh, supernatural work of God in your life. And uh, this is how this guy that we're going to look at today in Luke's gospel, uh, this is what happened to him. This guy that we are about to meet, his life was changed instantly. Instantly. His life was different. Everything was going to be different from that moment on forward. And I think that is so, so incredible. So we're in Luke chapter 18. If you got your Bibles, open them up. Luke 18. Uh, we are on another adventure with Jesus. And I love these adventures with Jesus because uh, what we do find is Jesus always among the people. He's not hiding out somewhere. He is among the people. And this is so big for you and for me. And there is no doubt in my mind that what he's doing among the people, he's doing at least these two things. He is, one, letting things unfold. He's, he's walking down the streets. He's among the crowd. He's in the synagogue. He's at someone's house. They are going from uh, Galilee through Judea to, to, to uh, or through Samaria to Judea to Jerusalem to Jericho, wherever they're going. And Jesus is just letting things unfold. He's letting the Father's will be done. He's, he's watching for God's timing, his Father's timing. This is so important for us to realize that, that we don't have to push ahead of God. We definitely don't want to lag behind God. We just want to walk with him and let him unfold things as he wants them to unfold. His time. The second thing that Jesus no doubt is doing is he's watching and he is alert. How many times do we walk uh, into the grocery store or into our shopping center or wherever we're going and we are oblivious? We are walking through life with blinders on, oblivious to our surrounding, oblivious to what is happening around us and how God might want to use us in the moment. Jesus is alert. He's watching. He's looking for the right opportunity, not any opportunity, because there are plenty of opportunities. But Jesus is waiting always for the right one. Luke 18, let's read it. Luke 18, verse uh, 35, if you uh, got your Bible. So. As Jesus approached, Jesus among the people, as he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and he ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately his, he received his sight and he followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that like 
Isn't that so, so neat? Like so neat. Jer Jericho, they're outside, maybe walking to or fro. And there's this guy, he's just sitting along the road. It it's all very spontaneous. It's all very natural. It's not God forcing things to happen. It's God, it's Jesus just walking through and now he comes upon this guy. Now, I totally believe Jesus knows what's going on at all times. But to the, the human eye, this is all happening very natural. As the millennials would say, it's so organic. Another interaction along the road that Jesus is going to have with this guy, exactly how God works and exactly how God moves, right? It's the shift from moving out of our church buildings and into the streets. That's, that's the shift that we see in Jesus, right? That we have to make as Christians, that it's not about going to a building, worshiping God, and that's the extent of our faith. That is only religion. If that's all it's about, it's religion. Our faith is about shifting from the building to the streets and taking the good news of Jesus with us there. This is where Jesus is. This is where we find him, right? And so as Jesus approached Jericho, that's cool. He's, he's coming to Jericho. Now, where is uh, Jericho? Let's take a, take a look at the map. Here is uh, Galilee, Capernaum, Sea of Galilee. Here's the Jordan River. Here's, uh, um, this is the Dead Sea. Here's Jerusalem. Here is Jericho. Now, if you remember, Jericho is the first city that Joshua conquered during the conquest. Remember, the Israelites came from, they came from, the Hebrew children came out of Egypt. They wandered in the desert. And then Moses brought them all the way over to this mountain. And God buried Mount Moses up in this mountain. Moses got to see the promised land, but he didn't get to go into it. Joshua led the first battle in Jericho. So Jericho has a lot of history behind it. And so as Jesus approaches Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what's happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Woo! This is a good day. This is a good day. This is a very stage-setting verse. If you think about it, it's just the stage is being set. It's a visual. It's a visual that will lead into a spiritual interaction with, with yet another broken person. And Jesus has put all the pieces into place. God, the Father, has arranged every step of the way. And now Jesus is going to have this interaction with this person. This time, it's a blind man, and he is sitting by the roadside, and he's not just blind, he can't see, but he is also poor. Not everybody that is blind is poor, and not everybody that is poor is blind, but this guy, double whammy, he's not only blind, but he is also poor because he's begging. He's begging. He's got his tin cup, and he's asking people for money. Give alms to the poor. Give alms to the poor. He's sitting there, probably in the dirt, the dust of travelers going by all over him. 
but he can't do much about that. Probably needed some of his friends to bring him, to set him on this particular spot today. And he's sitting there as travelers go by. And he hears the crowd coming, and he asks, what's the commotion? And they tell him, it's Jesus. Now, this is pretty cool, isn't it? You get the scene, he's sitting there. there there's this crowd going by, he hears it. He's probably heard plenty of crowds, plenty of things happening before. This time, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He's the one passing by. In parallel passages in Mark chapter 10, it says, as they were leaving Jericho, and they, uh, Mark gives us this man's name, perhaps his name is uh, uh, Bartimaeus, the blind man. Matthew says there are two blind men, two blind men. Let's just kind of hit the pause button here for one second. Got to tap into something else real quick. Okay, there's another stage setting thing that we have to notice that kind of fits, this fits into. And there, there always is, right? Because when we're dealing with Jesus, when we're dealing with God, there's multiple layers going on all the time. What happened today is, is going to apply tomorrow. It's, God's going to use it in the days to come. What happened last week and the years before are, are now coming to, uh, into play now in our lives. And that's how God works. He's, he's setting the stage. He's setting things up. He's working on our behalf. When we, when we experience stuff, whether it's good or bad, we can be assured that God has, has going to use that at some point in the future. So we don't worry, we don't sweat it, we just, we just go through it and we, we work through it and we hold on to God and we trust him in it because he's going to do something amazing if we'll, just, if we'll just believe and keep trusting him and keep watching and waiting for his timing. It's back up in verse 31, this stage setting thing to notice, okay, that happens right before this blind man event. It's the third year, if you just back up a few verses in your Bible, just before uh, what we started reading here in, uh, about the blind man. If you back up a little bit and take a look at that, it's the third year of Jesus' ministry, and he is on his way to Jerusalem. He has been saying some very intense things. What kind of intense things, you ask? Well, things like this. Luke 18, verse 31 to 34, here's what he says. This is just before that event. Jesus took the 12 aside and he told them, we're going up to Jerusalem. So they're on their way to Jerusalem. And everything that has written in the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. And, and already there's a sense of something big is about to happen. Things are going to be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, they will insult him, and they will spit on him, they will flog him, and they will kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. Okay, so that's pretty intense, isn't it? Jesus gets the 12 around him and he says, hey guys, guys, listen up. This is important. We're going to go to Jerusalem and, 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 and I'm going to fulfill all that the prophets have said. 
I'm going to be delivered to the Gentiles. They're going to mock me. They're going to insult. They're going to spit on. They're going to flog. And they're going to kill me. And oh yeah, on the third day, I will rise from the dead. Guys, is, is somebody taking notes on this? You know, you can just see these guys looking at each other and going, should we be writing this down? It's a, it's a list of events that you don't see every day, right? I, I'm not sure what your to-do list is or what it looks like, but this one, this one is pretty, pretty intense. This is what precedes now this interaction with the blind man, okay? This is what happened just prior to them now in Jericho with this guy, and you can't help but notice something. Their inability to see or understand Jesus, his words, and his sufferings, and sitting outside the city of Jericho is a blind man. He can't see anything either. And see, there's, there's no coincidence here. There is no coincidence that what they were unable to see, they were blinded from, they now come to a man who is literally blinded. It's not a coincidence. God is always working. He's always up to something. He's always trying to teach and show us something important, something big. And so they told the man that it is Jesus of Nazareth that is coming his way. By now, though, it's the third year. Popularity of Jesus has spread. You, you, people have heard of him. They've, they've heard of his miracles, maybe witnessed some, maybe witnessed his teaching. He, this is the healer. This is Jesus. This is the miracle worker. This is that guy. And in verse 38, he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You see that? Jesus, this is the blind guy. He's blind. He's begging. He's, 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 here's this crowd and they say it's Jesus. And he, he just yells out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's outside and he's yelling from the top of his lungs. Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Now, now we've got to pause here for a minute. Wait a second, because that's not what they said. They didn't say it was Jesus, son of David. So where did that come from? They said it was Jesus of Nazareth. And he's now yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, the blind guy has connected the dots and he knows. He knows. And here's what he knows based on what he said, Jesus, son of David. He knows that this Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. And he knows it. He knows it. He has heard enough about Jesus. He didn't even need eyes to see this. Isn't it kind of crazy that being blind has heightened his sense of hearing and understanding in such a way that the disciples who have good eyes were unable to see what Jesus was saying not long ago. But this man, 
who's sitting in the dirt, blind as a bat, is able to see perfectly. See, it makes the interaction even and more incredible that this guy is known about Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. He knows what Jesus can do. And so for him, this guy walking down this path right now is a once-in-a-lifetime meeting he's been hoping for, maybe even praying for. And there he went, like on any other day, just to the roadside to sit and to beg. Probably has done this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times with only a few coins to show for it. But today, today something is going to be much different. Can you imagine as he heard the commotion? Like this is not like any other group that has walked his way. This commotion is different. There's something different about this. And this blind guy, he's like getting excited and he's coming unglued and he's calling out and he's crying out. He's yelling out. The text implies that he shouted louder and louder. It means that he like he screamed like a shriek. Jesus, Jesus have mercy on me. Like in complete desperation, Jesus, son of David, Messiah, Savior, I know who you are. Please have mercy on me. It's desperate. It's a desperate moment and he is desperate for Jesus. And this should make every one of us ask ourselves just how desperate am I for him? How desperate are you for Jesus? Have, have you forgotten how desperate you really, really are? Has Jesus become too familiar? The excitement is gone. Day after day we worship. Day after day we follow. Day after nothing seems to be happening. And Jesus just becomes kind of ho-hum. Now those who led the way, so we got this group coming and out in front are some people leading the way, clearing the path. Yeah, get out of the way. Jesus is coming. They rebuke him. They rebuke this guy yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And they rebuke him and they told him to shh, be quiet. But he, I love this, he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And here come the critics, right? Here come the silencers. And there's always going to be those around they think that it's their job to pour water on your passion because it sounds a little crazy to them. If you try to do something great for God, if God is leading you to do something that nobody else has thought about and it seems way out there and way crazy, and how can you ever do that? Be ready for the doubters, the naysayers, the stuck in the mud. Shh, shh be quiet. Don't bother God with that. Don't bother the master. He doesn't have time for this. And they rebuked him. It means, it means to warn sternly. It means to admonish. Like you be quiet. Here's what the word means. It means to censor. Wow. Right? Right? Censor. 
These guys, they would fit right in with our woke culture today, right? Censor. In, in Italian, it would be stata zitta. Like, close your trap. Shut your mouth. This poor guy, as if he doesn't have enough problems, now he's got these people like attacking him. And everything seems against him. All the walls seem to be crash, crashing down on this guy. Everything's going wrong for him. And his one chance at healing seems like it's being ripped away from him. He's at a crossroads right now. He is at a crossroads like you will be and have been and will be in the future. He is at this crossroads. Do I just sit down and be quiet and let the crowd silence me or censor me? Do I let that happen? That's a question every one of us are going to have to ask as we go forward in this world. Am I going to let people quiet me down from saying what I think is right and true? Or, in his mind, should I go for it? Like, should I go for it? And just start screaming, Jesus! Jesus, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Everything is happening so fast. And just when it seemed that all the odds were against this man and he was being quieted and rebuked in silence, it happened. It happened. It. Such a small, tiny, little, bitty word, but carefully placed in the right spot. It's a powerful and glorious word. And it happened. It happened. See, that's all we hope for, right? We just hope and pray that God is going to do something big through us. And we wait and we eagerly wait and we watch. And we're faithful no matter what because we know when God is ready it will happen. Something will happen. And I just want to be a part of that. That's all. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, God, I want to be a part of it. And it happened for this man. Look what happened. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped at the cry of the man. He stops. He comes to a halt. And he ordered the men out in front. This is great. To he ordered the man to be brought to him. Okay, so the guy's out front. Hey, go get him. Bring him to me. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? It's just a little it. Jesus stopped. What this man needed most, it happened. It happened for him. And it can happen for you. If you just keep crying out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. God, use me somehow. God, just use me somehow. In this world, before my life is over, God, just use me in some, some big way to bring people to you, to point others to you, to do something that needs to be done on the planet for the kingdom of God. God, please do something. And it happened, it happened, it happened. And now those guys that were trying to silence him are now the ones that Jesus says, hey, bring him to me. How cool is that? Get him, Jesus. Get him, Jesus. 
See, some say this is karma, right? What goes around comes around. <laughs> you thought, and you thought you knew what was going on and you were in control, but God just stepped in and said, hey, quiet, you be quiet. Don't tell him to be quiet, you be quiet. How cool is that? These guys, you know, like a lot of us, they had a problem. The problem is this, too much of this, right? This is what you're doing, this is what I want you to do. Right? Here, here's the problem, I saw this post. My, my whole problem, this poor dude said, my whole problem is that my lips move when I think. That's pretty funny, isn't it? Because what should happen is we should think, and then if we should speak, speak. Our problem is we're speaking while we're thinking and we're not thinking about what we're speaking and we're saying things that we shouldn't even be saying. And that's their problem. And, and here's the biblical truth to this thing. If you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. But if you will humble yourself, Jesus will exalt you. He will lift you up. In Mark chapter 10, it says it like this. So they called to the blind man. Get this. This is awesome. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Jesus is calling you. And he throws his cloak aside. He rips his jacket off and he jumped to his feet and he comes to Jesus. This guy is so ready. He is so ready. He is like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And Jesus asked him, check it out. Jesus asked him, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? you see that little word right here? Me, me, M-E, two, another small, tiny word, but such a big word. Because this is now personal. This is not just some, some, some random thing happening among a bunch of people in general. This is Jesus and this one man. It's very personal. It's not us, and it's not, hey, you guys, Right? Like, like this guy wasn't yelling, somebody help me, somebody, anybody. He was yelling, Jesus. Specifically, Jesus, son of David. See, he knew this time it wasn't going to be about pennies and coins in his tin cup. This was going to be about something so much bigger. So much bigger. What do you want me to do for you? And we know the me is Jesus. And the you, well, the you is you. The you is you. The, the very person of Jesus is asking you right now, what do you want me to do for you? I believe that God is asking you, what do you want me to do for you? What a great question. What a great question the Savior of the universe is asking us. And we better think carefully about our answer. Right? Think very carefully. We, we don't know, you know, we don't know what this man's greatest need was or is. It, it seems like his financial situation and his vision, they're the most obvious, right? But after further kind of consideration, you would think salvation is a pretty big deal. 
You would think that eternal life in heaven is a pretty big ask. But without much hesitation at all, he simply says, Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to see. That's what I want, Lord. And Jesus is like, is that it? Is that, is that all you want? Not a million dollars? You don't want a new house or a new car, a new chariot, new horses? What? Lord, I just want to see. You know, maybe the disciples should have asked this back in verse 34, where it says they did not understand. Maybe they should have been asking Jesus, Lord, we just want to see. But this guy has enough sense to ask that question. Okay? So you want to see. Very well. And here comes the power of God, and it is going to meet the faith of this man. And Jesus says to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And here we go. Sight is restored. And Jesus is like, I have the authority. You have the faith. Let's go. Let's go together. You, I just need somebody with some faith. I just need somebody who's got enough faith to want to do something big on the earth for the kingdom of God. I just need anybody with some faith. Because Jesus has the authority. And, and if you can team up with him, you can change the world. You can leave such an impact on the world. Let's go. Let's go. Jesus is like, I found a blind beggar. Let's go. He's got more faith than my disciples do. Let's go. You call on Jesus. You put your faith in him. You link your will and your life up with Jesus. And together, great things will happen. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. I love watching new Christians, right? Don't you just love watching new Christians? I love this. They're all excited about Jesus. They're super fired up about Christ. They, they recently gave their life to Jesus. They were baptized into Christ. And now they're ready to go out and change the world. Man, I love that. I just love that. Don't lose that. Don't lose that burning passion to do something incredible for God because you appreciate so much what he's done for you. Don't lose that. And, and, and if you have, you need to fight hard to get it back or to keep that. New believers are super dangerous and the devil will try really hard to put out your fire and he'll use the unsuspecting people around you to do it. There are many long-term believers that have lost their first love mentality. Their passion has gone out like the flickering of a light. If that's you, if that is you, I encourage you to fight in prayer to get it back. Fight for the fire of God to come back to life in you, to stir in you, to, to flame up again in you. That you will have a passion about who he is. The way that you know if it's gone out is pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Here's how you can know if it's gone out. Ask yourself this. Does my love for Jesus still got some freshness and some spontaneity to it? Is my love for Jesus like excite me? Does it excite me still? Am I in love with it? Don't, don't get me wrong. I, 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 our faith must be founded on the word of God and on the truth of God and on the solid rock of Christ. 
And it's not all emotional. It's, it's not. I will be the first to say it. But your passion and your emotions and your sensors are God-given gifts to you. And, and they should be piqued when Jesus comes into the conversation. They should be piqued. They should be aroused by the Son of God. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. There should be a spiritual stirring in us that's almost uncontrollable. But, but we will keep it under control because we are conservative Christians. And we kind of chill like that. But inside us, we should be bursting with joy and excitement, the most powerful force in the universe lives in you. Do you think there ought to be just a few power surges now and again? The stirring, the excitement, it should be evident. It should not be subdued. It should be contagious. Others should see you praise him and they should want to praise him with you because of the joy that they're seeing out of your life. There, there should be no doubt. There should be no doubt that you are in love with the Son of God, with Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of David. There should be no doubt in anyone's mind that lives around you or knows you. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. I hope that's true for you. I hope those words right now are applying to you. Receive your sight. Your faith. Your faith has healed you. In the last verse 43, it says, immediately he received his sight. Immediately. And he followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. The contagious faith of one, one on fire follower of Jesus, impacting many, many, many others. Why not you? Why not me? Why not us? Oh, the glory of Jesus, again, this impacting faith. This time in the heart and in the life of a poor, blind beggar. Isn't God amazing? You guys, have an amazing week. Okay, having a great week. I hope it's the best week ever. And that you will fight and fight with everything in you to let that passion and, and love for Jesus just explode out of your life. God bless you guys. Have a great one. We'll see you next week.